citizenship is um, is an action and a noun that describes a group of things for which you are held responsible to belong to a particular community. I am indigenous and black, specifically Montauke, Shinnecock and black. I consider humanity to be a community. And so we have duties and responsibilities um, to humanity. We have duties and responsibilities to our immediate neighbors. We have duties and responsibilities to our families. That is what citizenship encompasses. It is that duty to that community. Welcome to episode three of COVID Conversations, a micro-series in Theater Simple's podcast, Park Bench. For episodes three and four, we are exploring thoughts on being a citizen, citizenship, citizenry, one's culture around these ideas, how one thinks about the idea of being a citizen. How do you integrate that into your life? Do you even think about it? We've got a kaleidoscope of thoughts from folks across the political spectrum and around the world for you to hear. Park Bench is an interactive public art piece that often resembles a tiny park on a rolling hill where we invite people to have a seat and have a chat from a slightly different perspective. We ask you to tell us your thoughts, and we'll tell the world. But COVID-19 has impacted our work and our lives too, so we adapt. These are recorded phone calls or cell phone recorded voice memos. You will hear a difference in recording quality as we go, but hopefully you can still hear the conversation and engage with that wherever you are. If you would like to be part of a future podcast, check out our website at theatersimple.org. You'll find a link to COVID conversations under podcasts. Jump in. The next topic is creativity and art in a time of pandemic and isolation. But for now, here is episode three of COVID Conversations. Thoughts on being a citizen. I already knew by the time I was in grade school that I was a dual citizen. I think now I probably have a much higher level understanding of what it means to be both a citizen of my my nation, a citizen of the United States, and to be a community citizen. Um, And all of those things are important, um, although the least of those is my American citizenship. When I got my first report card, when I was a little girl in first grade, And the first thing at the top of the report card was school citizenship. That's the first time I really remember that. That's why I taught kindergarten. I do remember, you know, teaching the children. That was one of the biggest things, was teaching them to to get along, to not only play side by side, but to play together and to take turns and to share and uh, to help each other. You know, things like that. They expand greatly once we become adults, but it's pretty much the same thing. 
I do remember when I was, you know, swearing, um, when I was becoming a U.S. citizen, you have to say something like you revoke all other countries, citizenship, you know, whatever, allegiance to all other countries. And that was a very, that was a hard thing for me to say. Now, it's very symbolic. What makes it easy with uh, American and Canadian citizenships is that Ultimately, when push comes to shove, the value systems are so similar that um but I could see how it could be quite challenging to have dual citizenship with um in the context of two countries where you really had very different value systems. I am grateful to be living on the kin- the land of my kin, the Massachusetts, the Wampanoag and Nipmuc peoples, um although my homelands are in Montauk, New York, so uh, some of the wealthiest part of the country with also some of the biggest poverty. I am a 76-year-old white female that lives in a small Midwestern town in a flyover state of Ohio. I identify myself as a global citizen, and I am currently in Toronto, Ontario. It means different things at different times, I think. Um, what it does imply at all times for me is a duty and a responsibility to someone outside of myself. Um, I do believe, it, you know, voting as your as an American citizen is uh, critical. Um, And I also know that within my indigenous community, there are many people who feel the other way. And they don't see that as an element of citizenship and in fact only acknowledge their their sovereign uh, citizenship and not their U.S. citizenship. Um, I remember having arguments with people around, well, you can't stand in two canoes. Either you're uh, uh, Mohegan or you're an American. You can't be both, Um, which was even then was something that I strongly disagreed with. I feel like when you are part of society or any group, there are certain things that you need to do. And there are certain things that you expect from the group too. Um, I expect to to pay taxes, but by the same token, I expect good roads and uh, health care and schools for my used to be my children and now my grandchildren. And um, all of those things are things that I want. It's, it's like you, you are purchasing uh, services or, or goods, but uh, when you go to the store and you give them your money, you expect to get something for it. And it's the same thing with uh, being a citizen. We have a, a youth group at our church. Every year they go around and, and rake the leaves for the uh, people who can't do it themselves. And I used to be one of them that went and did it. Now I'm one that I just get a big smile on my face when I see 12 or 14 kids with rakes and and tarps come into my yard because it's a wonderful feeling to be a part of that. And it's kind of like you pay it forward or 
and then you get it back. So um, there are responsibilities and there are expectations, and um, I like that. I, I, it's an interdependence that I think is is good for all of us. Um, we we can't live totally alone. So I don't think I would have um, termed it as citizenship, but I think a consciousness of being affiliated with a country and a culture was something that I had from a very early age because, you know, my my parents were um, immigrants to England where we got our first passport. Then very shortly afterwards, we moved to Canada, um, then moved back to England, and then moved back to Canada. And throughout that whole period, sort of um, dragging along our East European <laughs> heritage. One of the things that happens when you have more than one kind of national and cultural affiliation is that wherever you are, you feel a little bit foreign. I don't know. Felt like a citizen's duty is to be a good person, a good Samaritan, to want to help out people and to want to to uh, to take the time to understand and slow down. And once you've done that, collectively move forward with other people towards a common goal. But America is so divided right now that I don't know if that's the the um, definition of citizen. When I think of what a citizen is. I think of agreeing to be a collaborator. You know, I'm going to be a part of a community and I'm going to give my input and my feedback and agree to allow other people to do the same so that we can all work together to create something bigger than any of us as individuals. So I was born in Perth, Western Australia. I always just considered myself an Australian artist purely by accident ended up in, in Mumbai, India, um, and embraced it quite quickly and quite immediately. Um, and that was for many, many reasons, because of the work situation in Australia for artists, um, but also my, my instant connection to, to being in Mumbai and to the people here. And identify myself as a empowered minority woman. I'm located in Seattle, Washington, I would call myself a textile artist and artistic instigator. I classify myself um, as a citizen of the world. <laughs> That's my classification. When I first started working out of college, I was an immigration paralegal. And so I helped people get their green cards. And, um, you know, they were always really excited about, you know, getting their green cards and then getting their naturalization and how it was um, to become an American citizen. And I think people kind of underestimate why people or immigrants come to America. Someone told me the other day, well, immigrants come to America or, you know, um, people from different countries because they love America and they want to be American. And I said, that's actually really wrong. <laughs> A lot of people immigrate to America for various reasons, like they um, want to enjoy the freedoms that American citizenship gives them. It's not they want to be American, 
um, to me, it's like being American means you are, you kind of shed your own um, layer of culture from your own homeland and you become part of American culture. Maybe in their current country, they, it wasn't safe for them or they wanted a better life that America could offer them. So I think you can't just classify people coming to America and wanting to be a citizen because they want to be American. It's, it's so much more than that. I think that it involves not only the rights that we get by agreeing to be a citizen, but I also think that it means that we have a responsibility to work with one another as well as to protect each other. Growing up in this small rural community, I always saw um, you know, my parents or our other you know, people around our, our neighborhood would always step up to the plate when somebody needed something, whether they agreed with those people on any given day or you know, whatever they thought of them, they would still show up if that person was in need. And it's really sad for me right now that I don't see that happening so much. Of of, um, of the people around of, of what we do with for the people around us um, and how we collectively can support each other to survive or to celebrate. I mean, it, it, I've been accused of being apathetic, quite politically apathetic. Not so long ago, I would I would give in to that um, on a on a much sadder level and think, oh my God, I don't do enough. Um, but now. Uh, through living in India, I think, and then my own personal journey of, of being here, I think we all know it's not it's not apathy of a negative. It's um it's reactionary. Through my art is is my belief of being a human being, and it affects other people. I, I feel like a citizen is someone who is invested in the future of this country. Um, someone who is, who's willing to ask their leaders to, to be better and to do better, you know? Um, so that everybody has what they need, not only to survive, but what people actually need to thrive. To me, being a citizen is taking responsibility for my life in this community. It's about being responsible and engaging with, with how we are proceeding and what we are doing as, as a country, as a community. It is having the, the strong belief that we can do better and giving voice and action to that. It's not just something that I am selfishly doing for my own benefit. But being a citizen is ways to benefit all of us communally. I am round, brown, and close to the ground. So that means I am a dark-skinned, plus-size black woman. I am a southerner of the United States. I'm a 57-year-old white male from a small town in northern Illinois. someone 
who is an active part of their community, someone who wants to stay informed about their community. And when I say community, I mean that in the micro and the macro sense. Yes, I, I want you to believe in this country. I want you to, to, to invite people to this country. I want you to feel welcomed in this country. I think that's what citizens do. They are ambassadors to the ideals of what it is that we believe this country to be. Yeah, I think I think the the heart of being a citizen is taking responsibility. And it's taking responsibility in a way that improves all of us. It's acting on the belief that we all do better when we all do better. I think the opposite of that is a kind of selfish get what I can for myself and not having any concern what happens to others. It's, it, it is a way of caring for everybody in, and knowing that in caring for everybody, it is part of making my own life and my own family's life better. I believe a citizen is someone who is rooting for their for their local communities. And and I mean that in in I guess the punny sort of way of planting down roots, um, in the metaphorical sense. You know? I think people should be planting these metaphorical trees, you know that thought that you were going to invest in something knowing that you're never going to see it fully grown, um, but you know that it's better for the group. I, I, I personally believe that a citizen is a part of a whole. Internationally, um, the U.S. used to have such an amazing um, sort of reputation gold standard. Everyone wanted to be an American. And I think that has eroded over time. Um, And so that value of being an American citizen has really declined. Um, And I saw that in my international work, and I saw it progressively, and I think the last few years have really damaged how the U.S. is perceived, but for the longest time, sort of when I was in my early years, you know, whatever, 20 years ago when I was doing international work, just to be associated with other, either U.S. or Canada, people's eyes would glow as they would talk about how wonderful um, these countries are and how they wished that their country could be more like that and how they wished that they would have that opportunity. And I must say, I always feel like I've stood outside of that norm of, of what is uh, what is being a citizen of where you come from. I mean, obviously, I'm Australian, and I'll always be Australian. Um, and I, I guess I'm more of a I'm more dedicated to being a citizen of the arts than I am of the, the country that I come from. I guess, which is one of the reasons why leaving Australia was so easy, because in in Australia. You are constantly looking looking for permission to be an artist. Again, you know, arts became my country 
I, I was fortunate enough to be able to study the arts very, very young. I left school at 15 and started studying in the arts at 16. Um, and that literally became my world. And the, the, the so-called real world um, really did start shrinking and it, it, it remains to be shrinking for me as, as a human being. Um, my real world is, is the art. I think the fact that I, I knew that I needed to pay taxes as, as I became an adult uh, to help provide our roads, provide our schools, all the things that those do take care of, and what, what my paying the taxes would bring me. That was very enlightening to realize, oh gosh, it depends on all of us, and, and I'm one of us. It was one of those things that was always important to me. I, I didn't want to cheat someone out of, of what I owed to the government because somebody might go to bed hungry if they didn't have what my money might have provided. You know, it's just it's so intricate and interwoven that for me it was just really, really important to, to be able to do those things. There were a lot of things I thought... I might not be able to do, but I could contribute my share. I, I don't know that I had a word for it until later, but I remember my parents, when I grew up in the 70s, being opposed to the Vietnam War. And I also remembered my parents, in lots of ways, being involved in their communities, involved in the bake sales and the the raffles and the ways that you come together as a community to make community life more enjoyable. We have a, a moral obligation to care for one another, that as we engage responsibly with our country, with our community, with the world, that, that we are helping to distribute resources in equitable ways. And it's a way of making sure that my, my neighbors are cared for. It's a, a way of making sure that we all are, that we all are benefiting from, from being together as a community and caring for one another. So when my um, ancestors came to America, or, or Hawaii specifically, they came from Japan, um, they were working in the sugarcane fields, and then um, my grandparents talk about when the war happened and Pearl Harbor was bombed. And we successfully, I don't know how, avoided getting interned. And my grandpa specifically told me that he went to school that day. The bombing happened at Pearl Harbor, so everyone had to go home. And he says he remembers coming home and they had this huge picture of the Japanese emperor in their house that they had passed on for generations since they moved to Hawaii. And he said he came home and he saw that picture of the Japanese emperor on fire. His mom had set the picture on fire and they replaced that picture with a picture of Abraham Lincoln. And he said, well, we had to show our loyalty. We had to show that we were true citizens of America and we were no longer Japanese citizens. And then from that point on, I always think that that was kind of the catalyst of my family. 
because from that point on, my grandpa and his brothers, they joined the military. And my parents and my brother and sister don't speak any Japanese. So after I heard that story, it really inspired me to actually learn Japanese and understand true Japanese culture, not just culture in Hawaii. And I wrote an essay about that, about uh, Pearl Harbor and the bombing and the burning of the emperor in Japanese, and I gave it to my grandpa. And it's the only time in my life I've ever seen him cry. As a citizen of my nation, I have a duty to not misrepresent my culture. I have a duty to um, to learn. I am uh, learning my own language, uh, which was not available to me before. And I feel that is um, a responsibility uh, as well as a joy. It is a joy to be a citizen of my nation. It is a joy to learn my language. You know, when I say sovereign, it's in part because there's a special relationship between Native people and the U.S. government. As such, it takes precedent. And I wonder sometimes that if they were actually teaching uh, what it meant to be a sovereign nation in treaty with the U.S., um, whether there would be so much amnesia about the fact that these lands are actually someone else's. And as so there's a duty of respect and generosity that's not being paid to those people who were here first. I mean, I think the most important is not to allow nationalism and citizenship to start to blur. And that's what I see as, um, you know, things like nationalism, populism. Um, uh, that's where I start to see a real danger these days, um, that the emphasis is on sort of Citizenship is about belonging and rules and, and sort of responsibilities and rights, um, where, and it's not about creating the other, whereas nationalism is about perpetuating and creating the other in a very damaging sort of way. And my concern is that, you know, with the sort of rising tide of nationalism, um, these two concepts may start to become blurred. And that would be very, to me, very damaging to the concept of, of citizenship. When I look historically back at, say, the intertwining of the indigenous and black community in this country, um, a lot of it was around safety and security and an understanding that people are not things, that people cannot be owned a lot of the reason there is such a mixture between the Black and Indigenous community is because one would hide out with the other. That idea of safety and security um, and providing it for others as a part of being a good uh, member of that community or a good citizen is something that um, has been forgotten a lot by the political leadership of this country. I don't think it's been as forgotten by 
communities um, on the ground. I think it is uh, very much forgotten, though, at the higher levels. I think what makes me feel more relatable as a citizen of the world is one, when I go to other countries and I hear about their culture, their culture is very similar to culture in Hawaii. Like a lot of it is very um, about family and um, helping each other out and kind of the nuances of what makes their culture different from other cultures. And then also the interest in understanding other people from other places and seeing what makes us the same, not what makes us different. Empathy is my favorite word. Uh, I, I, the, the whole idea of empathy um, is, is so incredibly powerful and so needed and necessary. And that's one of the great things about moving to another country, I think, especially outside of your own sort of cultural realm of you, you, you build your, your empathy muscles. Um, if, you're, if you're inclined to being that kind of person, your empathy muscles are exercised daily, um, hour by hour. And that's a good thing. I quite enjoy being the other in that sense. I quite enjoy being the minority in that sense because I think it actually, A, it makes me a better human being, but, um, and that for me, in my world, um, that makes me a better artist. Now, I'm also aware, interesting enough, that part of um, the ease for me in India is the white privilege. Because I'm another, I'm, I'm a, um, from the West, then there's that ridiculous notion that West is best. And I, I very, I'm very, very aware of the doors that that opens for me. Um, and I pray to God that I, I never abuse that. The thing that came to mind was Black Lives Matter that we have a percentage of our population who are part of our country who have experienced less. They have experienced less just justice, less opportunity, less fair treatment. Um, and that has historically, you know, that's been manipulated so that that, that happens. So, to me, one of the ways that we act in responsible citizenship is to correct that in some way. I don't know how that happens, but I believe that if there are people in our community who are also citizens who are not receiving the same equitable opportunities and justice, that we have a responsibility to correct that, to do something, to make sure that that we all are being fairly treated. Call me simple, but I always think citizens should gather around food. (laughs) Um, I think there's something about food that is comforting, it's nurturing, um, and really it's this thought that, you know, if we all bring something to the table, then we can all eat and we leave fulfilled. Maybe we we just all kind of need the same uh, definition of what a citizen is. It's kind of like when you study human rights. We we would talk about human rights in certain countries and we're like, yes, that should be a basic human right, like running water. But then you might go to another country and they don't think it's a human right. And so human rights 
are really, really hard to enforce or a global human rights are really hard to enforce. It's actually kind of like a oxymoron, global human rights, because everyone's culture and everyone's country sees human rights a little bit differently. I think that's the same thing for citizenship. I have entered the age now where I have been saying all of this gray hair entitles me to not give a shit. That is a really hard thing. I have found myself lately calling people out on things that I might not have called them out before. Um, but it is a reflection of how I feel about my responsibilities. Other things that I have been wrestling with, you know, how vocal do I get? How much am I willing to take? Um, those are things every day that, you know, people of color has to deal with um, as members of communities that are generally uh, not respected, generally under-resourced, who are moving from positions uh, not of wealth and trying to make it in this world where those are two of the primary ways that people survive and get ahead. One of the issues that really concerns me is our lack of of recognizing that everyone, whether they look like me or sound like me or think like me, uh, same religion or color or non-religion, they're still citizens and there's, we need to take care of each other and look out and treat everyone the way we want to be treated. It's the old golden rule, but we need to realize that it's for everyone, not just some. Racism is a, a horrible thing that's, that's tearing our country apart and the looting and the burning and the killings and the, whether it's done by the one side or the other side or another side. I really wish that everyone could just stop, sit down, have a piece of pie. I don't believe there's there's a mother in this world that wants to see her children hurt. I, that's where I come from. And I I would do anything to see it stop. I I just it just makes me cry because we've got to love each other. We've got to take care of each other. off, thank you for listening to COVID Conversations, Episode 3, Thoughts on Being a Citizen. We so appreciate your connecting with us across the electrons, time, and space. Many, many thanks to all the amazing people who recorded their thoughts for us, really diving into this complex conversation. It certainly brought into the light that being a citizen is not always about a piece of paper, but about being a piece of a community. If you have thoughts on being a citizen, personal, 
community or practical applications that you'd like to share and move these ideas ever forward, consider sharing this podcast with a friend or family and have your own conversation about it. And feel free to reach out and tell us. We're interested in hearing your takeaways and ways you may be investing in the citizenry around you. You can learn more about Theatre Simple at theatresimple.org. That's T-H-E-A-T-E-R simple dot O-R-G. Questions, comments, suggestions for future conversations, there are links there. Our music is some of the splendid and exceptional work of Brent Arnold and Scott Adams. You should find links to their work in the show notes on our website. About the next podcast... The next topic is creativity and art in a time of isolation or pandemic. What is helping you? What new or older creative practices are you deploying for de-stressing or expressing yourself? What is your internal calculus about the value of creativity? Has it changed since March? Deadline, December 20th. We hope to get it to you by New Year's. Happy holidays until then. The Park Bench interviews were conducted by Lisa Holland, that's me, and Andrew Litsky, who is also the editor extraordinaire for Parkbench. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you on the Parkbench someday. Have a seat. Tell us your thoughts. We'll tell the world.